And now for our feature presentation. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the Botching It Up podcast. Every bruise, bump, and botch. Wrestling, you've been put on notice. Oh, let's get ready to ramble! On October the 21st, 2018, Billy Corgan produced the National Wrestling Alliance's 70th anniversary show for pay-per-view, with TNA alumni Nick Aldis lifting the NWA World Heavyweight Championship from Cody Rhodes in a scintillating main event that made most fans year-end lists. At this time, both men, as well as the promotion they were wrestling for, had something to prove. Cody, fresh off promoting the first US independent wrestling event to sell 10,000 tickets since 1993, was looking to continue his growing momentum as he began to file the first trademarks for what would become AEW. Aldis, meanwhile, was attempting to rehabilitate his career after throwing his lot in with Jeff Jarrett's failed Global Force Wrestling promotion. However, it was Billy Corgan, who had officially become the owner of NWA in October 2017, that had the most on the line. A lifelong wrestling fan, the Smashing Pumpkins frontman had experienced several unfortunate run-ins with the wrestling industry, from Paul Heyman attempting to squeeze a million dollars out of him for ECW ownership in 2000, to loaning TNA money in 2015 and 2016, which was not paid back. The promotion he had just acquired was no longer the cash cow of the 80s, and for the last decade had held shows in such esteemed venues as Joe Exotic's Backyard. To everybody's relief, the event was a success, and the National Wrestling Alliance was back. By October 2019, the NWA was debuting its own show, Power. With the chugging guitars of Dawkins Into the Fire playing in the background, the program offered a slice of the old school, with simple but effective stories built via traditional promos and matches. To many fans sick of WWE's stagnant product and modern wrestling's lack of chin holds, the NWA was a breath of fresh air, a charming underdog promotion with a promising roster. However, in March 2020, disaster struck, and COVID-19 rocked the very foundations of our society. Wrestling promotions with budgets of millions scrambled to create some sort of income without crowds or ticket gates. Many smaller promotions without the financial support needed to stabilise themselves died a quiet death. After an ill-advised attempt at content creation in the form of Carnyland, Billy Corgan was once more forced to close the doors of the National Wrestling Alliance. Much of his gifted independent roster, meanwhile, found positions in other companies, with wrestlers such as Eddie Kingston and Ricky Starks jumping ship to Tony Khan's still-prospering AEW. The final nail in the coffin was NWA's producer, Dave Lagana, being accused of sexual assault following the widespread Me Too movement within the wrestling community. Dreams of the NWA reaching its former prosperity were, seemingly, over. On the 24th of February 2021, Joseph Josephus Hudson, who had worked in the NWA promotion since 2011, passed away. As the wrestling community mourned his death, the NWA quietly put plans together for a show in his memory. On March 2nd, 2021, Billy Corgan announced plans for NWA Back for the Attack, headlined by Nick Aldis facing Josephus' longtime friend and tag partner, Aaron Stevens. Like a phoenix risen from the ashes, NWA once again prepared to dive into that fire, with the pay-per-view set for March 21st, and the comeback episode of Power debuting March 23rd on Fight TV, the NWA's new service station. Both Billy Corgan and the National Wrestling Alliance have stubbornly held on to their existence in wrestling for decades. But will this be the comeback story of 2021? 
or another unfortunate side note in the sad recent history of the songwriter's bank balance and the promotion's respectability? We're going to find out on this week's episode of Botching It Up. But the funny thing is I went on and bought my own wrestling company called the National Wrestling Alliance. Yeah, all right, Billy. Well, it's time to check in, isn't it? Botch, 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 botched up. Brother! What's up? This is the Botching Up Podcast, and this week we're talking about NWA. Back on the attack. They're back, baby. Billy and his beefy men are doing it again. (laughs) (laughs) As always, you're me, Benito, and my good friend, Basil. Despite all my rage, I'm still just a small-time independent wrestling promotion. (laughs) Anyway, so like you mentioned in your awesome (laughs) intro, NWA kind of suffered a lot during the pandemic, but they're back now with a pay-per-view. We're going to talk about the pay-per-view and then the power after the pay-per-view. Yeah. And um, regardless of the quality of what they've produced, it is actually amazing that Billy Corgan just keeps coming back. You've had Jim Cornette being fired, who was kind of a centerpiece of NWA for a while for racist comments. You've had, as I mentioned, their producer. Yeah, so do you know who's booking NWA now? I would assume it's Billy, right? Okay. Yeah, honestly, I'm not sure whether you did, but I didn't really see the difference between pre-Lagana and uh, post-Lagana. Power was exactly the same. The pay-per-view, I thought, was of less quality. I prefer the pay-per-view to Power, but I I think I've forgiven a lot of the pay-per-view content because it was so haphazardly thrown together with a quite a thin roster. But well surely it shouldn't it wasn't haphazardly put together because they've had a year to plan their return event. Or did Billy wasn't sure he was going to come back maybe? I can't help but feel this whole thing was spurred on by the death of Josephus because there was within a week that was when they announced the show. The main event was a sort of tribute to Josephus and I feel like they just wanted to put a piece of content together and throw it out on pay-per-view as like a half comeback half tribute show i that's the all i can presume because in terms of actual build-up there was little to none there was one 11 minute video on youtube and in relation to the matches that they actually put together i don't know whether billy's doing the matchmaking as well but it was pretty thin looking on paper i'm sure you agree yeah, but this deal with Fight TV must have been ha, must have had been planned for a while now, because that just doesn't come together overnight. Yeah, um, well, I'm not really sure when they actually put that t- t- together. Really, um, th- none of it really makes sense. That as the point, as what you're pointing out, if if that pay per view was their planned comeback show, uh, and they just changed the main event, then I've got to say that's a, a pretty poor build up to that and a pretty poor card in general to present for the first time in over a year good news because now fight tv is the official home of the nwa which means they're probably making more money than what they did when it was just on i really YouTube. think that that's saved so. this company i think without fight tv if they went back to youtube this company would f- would have folded within six months and ag- again credit to billy corgan for not only overcoming coronavirus but for overcoming Carnyland, because that that yeah. was the uh, you know the final nail in the coffin i thought for for nwa that was so bad ricky starks in an interview said that was ex- the only reason that he left nwa well a lot of talent walked out yeah yeah of that. i mean and it lasted what two yeah. two and a half weeks got the idea of them trying to find content to create 
but that was a massive step in the wrong direction. You you would have gotten more fanfare yeah. by doing nothing. Yeah. Right, so this event, I think I actually enjoyed more than you, which is strange. And I think it's because I hate this um, style of wrestling. I really don't like this 80s TV studio set. It's not my thing at all. So I went into this just knowing I wouldn't like it and saying to myself, I'll try and have as much fun with it as possible. So I wasn't expecting anything, and then I just enjoyed whatever I did get. Whereas you, I think, went into it hoping to have a good time. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah that's that's fair to state. I think the, I thought about why I had such a negative reaction to the show initially. I, I, I don't even think this is a trivial point at this point. The sound quality is atrocious. It's not just snafus, like the music not playing at the right time, or music talking over announcers, or any uh, interference coming through that I can deal with all of that stuff the actual thing that put me off more than anything else was the the crowd of 10 people that I assume are Billy's mates who were just raucous and the production of it it was overpowering so that all I could hear was them they were louder than the commentary but they were clashing against um, the cheap ring sound and I just it gave me a terrible headache over two hours and i just want to ask you ben what is uh billy corgan's full-time job <laughs> music producer right so the guy Sound. should know <laughs> if his program sounds like shit right yeah that is a strange one i didn't even put those uh two dots together but yeah that is a strange one you should have this locked down right <laughs> yeah and it's the worst part of the show at least should have some decent recording equipment. No, I did. I did come round to the pay per view after a while. Quite a few matches uh, impressed me because the first two matches and the first sort of forty-five minutes of production plummeted my opinion of the show to such an extent that they then rebuilt me just by giving me something half decent. Well, what do you think of the videos? Because I quite liked uh, at the beginning of the show and a few times before. The matches, and then on Power they did like a a replay kind of thing, a highlights video of the pay per view. I thought they were quite well produced. I think the, the some of the video packages are great, uh, especially the Power one where they're looking back on uh, what's transpired, and you can see that in Power's intro. It's like a sort of like a episodic intro where they introduce the wrestlers as sort of characters of this TV yeah. show. I love this. I, I got this note too. It's a, much like um, UFC fight nights where they have mm-hmm. all the guys that are about to go against each other. They had all the wrestlers that are about to have matches against each other. Really I love, nice stuff. I love that aesthetic. But then there's other times that it just kind of falls down. Just tiny things. Again, I'm nitpicking and I fully admit that I'm nitpicking. But if you're opening your show, just get Aaron Stevens in the room, you know? Like, don't use a Zoom call video. The first Mm. thing I see on your pay-per-view is a Zoom call video of Aaron Stevens talking about the tragic loss of Josephus. He's in your your room. He's in your studio. Just sit him down. Yeah. Oh, yeah, just record the thing professionally. The other thing that I thought with this show, before we get to the pay-per-view, is people's last memories of NWA was the YouTube show they watched for free called Power. And I thought, if you haven't done anything for over a year and you're coming back and you're putting a $20 pay-per-view to buy with no build-up and a, and a sort of weak kind of looking card, change the logos hanging around the studio. 
You know, just just put up a back for the attack logo. Because, oh yeah, it was just a power studio, wasn't it? Yeah, and it, like you tune in and you're like, "What am I paying twenty dollars for here? I used to watch this on YouTube for free." Yeah, you know, but tiny yeah, things it was like a that. Rough look, yeah. Okay, so after we have all those videos, we tree we got kind of his uh, tribute to Josephus. He's been champion for eight hundred and eighty-two days. Wow, <laughs> I'm a big fan of this because how. It must be decades since we've had a champion go that long. Yeah, again, um, completely understandable because obviously this is our half tribute show to Josephus, so Nick Olis doesn't necessarily have to act like a heel here. Oh, it was a complete babyface promo. He puts over everyone on the card. He puts over the company. He puts over his opponent. He puts over Josephus. I think I probably just would have had Billy doing this. Does Billy come on TV that often? Uh, no, I don't think so. But I think because it's been such a long time, because so many events have we occurred, have him, yeah. uh, the whole Dave Lagana thing, Josephus dying, coronavirus, I thought that this would be an opportune time for Billy to just sort of address the public before we went full on back into NWA. But, you know, that's a If he's not opinion. too busy, him being an on screen talent would be pretty cool yeah, yeah he's not that bad of an actor or talker is he no no he was uh he, he was pretty it wasn't bad an impact it was definitely better i mean than obviously he's I've got seen. stage presence he's a rock star yeah okay uh so our opening match is a triple threat uh it's a four-way sorry between three people i had no idea who they were and crimson, and crimson. <laughs> <laughs> uh, easily i thought crimson was gonna win this uh but no the guy with the most stupid name in the match Slice Boogie wins so his debut match on NWA. I saw that and I immediately assumed it's because that Slice Boogie is the one that actually wanted to sign a contract. Okay. Um, the match itself was relatively crisp and I thought everybody looked polished, but it went, what, four and a half minutes? Yeah, it didn't go long at all. Opening four-way, four and a half minutes. What? Yeah. Walk this one through with me. Just, like, just don't put it on, give another match... Another extra or, five like what, but even if you're doing a four and a half minute match, don't do a four way. How oh, are you right, how see. are you supposed yeah, to yeah. get people to to all four people to look good and get their shit in in four and a half minutes? Get, have Slice Boogie get a win over Crimson, who people like you and me know. Yeah, I, I th- dude, that was just old man Vince McMahon booking. <laughs> <laughs> you know, here's some time. Yeah, not a great start to the show. This no, not at all. And then here we go. We're backstage with. With May Valentine, <laughs> and she looks like this coked up idiot. Oh my god! That just is struggling to stay awake. Oh and damn! You're getting her script the entire time. I uh, thought I thought I was the one that would go full cornet on this podcast. Actually, oh, don't 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 get me started on May Valentine. Uh, she needs acting lessons, or she needs to be fired. One of the two. <laughs> Jesus, uh, maybe she's just doing a favour for Billy. Well, I th- I think she's doing a couple of favors to get on TV. Oh, that's that's uncalled for. <laughs> so I take it back. I have nothing against this woman. I'm just playing. I'm just playing. Um, she interviews yeah. Sal Minerio, and he talks about the matches and doesn't talk about himself at all. So why would I care about him? I didn't understand this segment at all, and. May Valentine reappeared when she was doing Slice Boogie on Power, and now after that promo, I'm convinced that this is actually her gimmick. I can't see any other reason why she's um, this sort of 
half asleep, then this must be her gimmick, which... Oh, God. I'd, I mean, that's kind of late 90s WWF again, isn't it, really? Ditsy, blonde, you know? Well, if she's doing it on purpose, she's doing an amazing job because it was hard to watch. But I'd, it This was, was so small time. This is where, like, you truly un- remember the fact that you're watching an independent wrestling promotion. Yeah. A, a, a not very good talker doing a backstage promo with a guy that I don't know who doesn't explain who he is and doesn't say anything of note. Doesn't even hi- talk about himself. He doesn't but he, like he up- was, oh. I think he was hyping up the rest of the card. Yeah, he was, yeah. But why would you have this guy do that? Put someone whose face we recognise. Well, Nick Oldest had already done it at the beginning of the show, so just, this was totally unnecessary. So, But exactly, so you're charging $20 for a pay-per-view, and so far... You've given somebody uh, forty-five. This it goes about forty-five minutes of filler, really, because a lot of these segments feel like they are just filling time. But then the show itself only went two hours. Yeah, it's not a good first impression to people resubscribing into the idea of the National Wrestling Alliance. That's what I'm saying. Let's talk about first impressions. Our next match is Kratos, the tag team champion, one half of, meets Tyrus. Uh, yeah, I like the look of Kratos, but I think he needs a new jackets. He's looking a bit like Lance Archer without the rat tail. <laughs> okay, Ty- <laughs> yeah, Tyrus being uh, formerly Brodus Clay, uh, yeah, he Brodus comes out, looking cuts out of shape, dude. A very out of shape. Cuts a really awful promo, saying that he hasn't officially been given airtime, so he's just going to take it for himself. And then uh, gets in the ring, and the two, I think, are meant to have like a hoss fight brawl. Mm. It feels kind of 80s throwback, <laughs> but they both very quickly run out of energy and steam. I loved I loved the bit where uh, Kratos went for a half-assed Roman Reigns Superman punch and then followed it up by a really bad Jericho elbow. I was just like, yo, I am watching indie wrestling right now. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I don't understand why they've gotten Tyrus, a.k.a. Brodus Clay, involved in this product right now, especially after the several allegations that have been made about him and just uh, his affiliation with the right-wing programming of Fox Studios. I, d- I don't get it. Do you know any, do, do you know this? I didn't know any of that, no. Yeah, so Brodus Clay has basically gone on to a career as a Fox News um host. He's okay. he's on he's on his own talk show basically. That's why he's so out of shape. So he's out uh, of wrestling. Yeah. And loads of uh, text messages leaked from him to his co-worker in which he was incredibly sexually inappropriate, like harassing her continually sexually via text. And I just I'm looking at that and I'm like why does Billy want to be involved with these people? Like, this is one thing that I wanted to talk to you about. Like, Billy Corgan's choice of people he surrounds himself with. He's had Jim Cornette done for racist behavior. His producer got me too'd. Um, Tom Latimer has a history of sort of marital ab- abuse with his ex-wife, Charlotte. Yeah. Tyrus has got bad PR. And, but guys like Tyrus, they're not even worth the bad PR. Like, wh- why is why is he giving this guy a platform? As I said, is is Billy just desperate for big names, and he's bringing in whoever is willing to come in? 
I mean, I guess so, but Tyrus is just so much bad baggage right now. Not even just showing that he has political leanings, but also his his case history uh, talking to women. And from what we saw in this match, he's no longer got anything to offer as a wrestler either. I've got something to pitch you, though. Go on. Could, could you imagine a tag team of Tyrus and Eddie Kingston? Tyrus is allowed nowhere near the mic. Eddie does all the talking. But both of them are just two out of shape guys that just beat the shit out of you and don't do any wrestling moves that's pretty cool actually that's a pretty cool idea that would Um, be the best way to use tyrus i think i think he had given up with tna by this point or impact but i can't remember who he was with maybe it was uh ec3 i'm not entirely sure but basically he became the big bad backup for a main event caliber wrestler in impact wrestling and he was great at that he he should be this big body bodyguard guy. He shouldn't be um, getting his own sort of singles career, and that's exactly what they seem to be throwing this into to the point where they've given him Austin Idol as a manager on on Power. So I'm I don't really know why they would promote him to this level. It seems like he's going into a, a championship feud with the Pope now. Yeah, I, I've got a feeling that's going to be a long-term thing because they mentioned if Pope defends his championship seven times, he then gets a world championship opportunity. So I feel like one way that story might go is that Tyrus has not the very next match because there was a number one contendership on power, but he gets the, the match after that. And Tyrus continues to be involved in the matches, but Pope wins until it's the seventh one, and then Tyrus causes the loss on the seventh match. See, I just don't understand why you're putting your stock into this guy to that level. Because he's got a name value, I guess. People recognise him on the poster. But has Brodus Clay got a bigger name value than someone like Chris Adonis? No. He hasn't got the name value or the talent of other people that are a part of this company right now. So I don't understand why you'd be putting this guy of everyone in a championship contendership, even if it's the TV title. I don't know. I thought the match was was pretty shit, honestly, even for slow, plodding big man matches. But I did think Kratos looked cool. Yeah, Kratos was cool. This was my first... um my my first interaction with Kratos because I've not watched much the NWA from year back or whenever. Um, and talking about shit, we're backstage with Valentine again. <laughs> as much charisma as a wooden stick. Oh my god! She's interviewing Trevor Murdoch. Trevor Murdoch is my favorite part of um, NWA. You know what? I didn't understand him, but then actually, I'm super into him. Yeah, it's, she, it's he's cool stuff. He is the aesthetic. He is the prime idea of what a wrestler in the NWA should look like, should sound like, should act like. He's got far more talent than anybody ever thought he did. He puts on barn burners of five-minute matches. I want to see him eventually, down the line, become the NWA World Heavyweight Champion. Well, his match was good, but let's talk about this promo, because this was the best thing of the entire show for me. And I quote, this promo ends with him saying, and when you step in that ring with me, you should question yourself that maybe you should have never done that. <laughs> and then he, then, then he looks at the camera with a I fucked up face. <laughs> and just stares off into the distance. He doesn't finish the promo looking menacing. He just finishes the promo like, fuck. 
and I don't know if this was live or not, but surely they could have retaken that. It, it was, it was live. It was like so he knew yeah. he fucked up. Y- yeah, it was but brilliant then, stuff. I mean, it's Trevor Murdoch, and like that's kind of what you expect. He is becoming slowly the sort of um, 2020s Scott Steiner. Like he can't talk for shit, okay. but he can okay. wrestle. Okay, well, if if it comes off like that, and it, I mean, it didn't put me off the guy. I just found it funny. I, just I found it funny up, that he immediately knew he fucked up. <laughs> I just looked up Mae Valentine on Instagram because she hasn't got a Wikipedia page or anything. Okay. Brazilian best-selling author, reporter, ex-Rolling Stone, VH1, MTV, glamour, actress, model. So she's done quite a lot of stuff. What? So she's a journalist in but she's Brazil? A re- she's been a reporter, an author, an actress, a model. She's written for Rolling Stone. She's done work for MTV. If you type Mae Valentine into Google Images, you just get a load of Yu-Gi-Oh stuff. Yeah, I saw that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, so I just I assume Billy just found her on Instagram and thought, "Wow, Rolling Stone, I was in that." Yeah, you know. Look, I got nothing against this woman, but she's just not good at her job. Enough national charisma to be on screen. She's she's not good at her job. Yeah, um, she would probably get fired by ITV. Yeah, she'd probably get fired by Channel 5. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, rolling on straight into the NWA TV Championship. And this has a time limit of 10 minutes and 5 seconds. Okay, so this this nobody, is where... No, nobody explained that extra 5 seconds. So this is where the pay-per-view started to upswing for me. But I also have to talk about this for a second. Because apparently they were planning on originally making this... Six minutes and five seconds. Do you so understand that, why? That's normally what the TV championship time limit is on power yeah. or something. Yeah, that's because not very long. Six six minutes. Well, basically, it they're trying to be clever by referencing the old school NWA because and everybody knew NWA came on terrestrial TV at six o five p.m. It was like a marketing tactic. Uh, right. And through through the entirety of the NWA's most popular run, everybody, all the kids knew it'd be on at six oh five. So because it's a TV championship, I assume they're thinking, "Oh, let's have six minute five second matches." Makes no sense though, because that's not enough time to put together a, a, a good to great match. That's to not long it, enough for a championship match. No, and then to change it to ten minutes, fair enough. But can I just remind you again? that you have made no content for a year, you haven't built this show up, and you're asking people to pay $20 for a pay-per-view, and then you're putting a TV time gimmick on your pay-per-view. Yeah. Why? Made no sense. Tim Storm really let me down on this one. I was listening to the commentary the entire match to try and see if someone said anything about this extra five seconds. I just didn't get it (laughs) at all. Why it was happening. But the whole time... Well... It was it was there for a reason. They went to a time limit draw, and obviously their their story is going to continue down the road. It was referenced on Power that Tom Latimer is pissed off, and the Pope is pissed off. Like he's happy he's, he's still champ, but he didn't want to win like that. So they're going to continue down the road. I think this one uh, was a good match. I gave it a three and a quarter stars. Uh, this I, was a great match for a time limit draw. Yeah, and it, I mean, it actually felt sort of um, quite tense to get to the last minute. The only thing that I really think they should have done, uh, because Tim Storm, poor old Tim Storm, was saying was talking about the, how they've got like a minute left on the clock, pretending like they knew that. 
who's like, oh, they know that they've got a minute left. Well, they don't, mate, because there's no clock around. We can see it, but they can't. So they should get like an old sort of uh, Casio digital watch on the wall or something like that. But no, the match was good. Uh, and I thought, I just have to point out, Pope does, still does a beautiful long distance elbow drop. Uh, he doesn't look like he's missed anything since 2010. He does an unbelievable sunset flip as well. Yeah. How did this uh, guy not get massive? I, I Well, I was going to say, like in this match, the Pope looks fantastic. The Pope looks like someone they should be making the poster child of NWA. But I mean, like, what happened to Pope's career to get to here in I 2021? He purposely semi-retired himself. Like He, gave he was up. a commentator for a good while. In Impact. Yeah. I thought in Impact he went from wrestling, wanted to give it up, and they, they just encouraged him to stay on as commentary. I mean, fair enough. I'm glad that I'm glad that he's he's uh working properly again. I'm not sure how much of the world remembers the chant Pope is pimping, which is this very annoying smart mark crowd shouted. They later shouted Fight Forever, for Christ's sake. Now oh, if they pissed me off <laughs> Anyway, no, this is a decent match. Fuck's sake, we're backstage again with May May Valentine. <laughs> You're gonna have to get used to her if you're gonna start watching Power Bro. Because Mate, she, why? What? Between every the, single match, we're backstage with her. Like she's why their do, Charlie Caruso. Well, there was literally a guy. I thought the whole gimmick was you do the interviews in the TV studio with that guy that was yeah, behind this, the, this the, is, the thing, and that guy did nothing. All I show. didn't understand this at all, bro. Apart from Tyrus coming over, and I think Aldis comes over at the start. He was just sitting watching the pay-per-view. No, mate, he wasn't sitting. He stood there with a <laughs> microphone in his hand for two hours and did fuck all. Yeah, Easiest that, paycheck that guy's ever got. Well, <laughs> one of the main selling points of the NWA is to nostalgic sort of 40-somethings that miss those old-school promos coming from the the studio set. So now we're just like out of, behind a velvet curtain like every other wrestling promotion, so I don't understand why at all. Yeah. Anyway, this time, Aaron Stevens knows what he's working with and completely just throws her off camera and does the promo by himself, which is great stuff. Um, Taryn Terrell is here, but I don't actually remember where I know her from. She is. She was in TNA. I think she was briefly one of the beautiful people. Okay. Um, I just, rem- I just re- remembered her name. Yeah, she was definitely in TNA. She was either feuding with or she was one of the beautiful people for a bit. Oh, oh Jesus, um, she's a former TNA Knockouts champion in which her 279-day reign stood as the longest reign in the title's history until 2019. Well, I didn't realise it was the longest, but... <laughs> I, I don't even remember her. That sucks. It sucks that Gail Kim hasn't got the longest reign. Um, Maybe she's got the most reigns. Yeah, so. she, she didn't... I, was she supposed to be here? Is she full time? Because <laughs> she's supposed to be just <laughs> turned up. Well, no, I just, I just like she didn't turn up on power, and after that, the women's match, she never, nobody ever saw her again. Are they just doing a gimmick now where former knockouts turn up and sit on commentary for every women's match? Well, because on power we had Velvet Sky. Yeah, who and they never mentioned Taryn Terrell. Was miles better. She was. Maybe maybe they're slowly going to go through all the TNA uh, beautiful people, and then work out which one sits on commentary the best. Well, Taryn, <laughs> Angelina Love next then. Yeah, that's it. And then Madison Rain, and then they've done all of them. 
Well, it was no, quite clear. No, it wasn't. Is it Lacey Von Erich? She was part of that group as well. Oh, yeah, for like five minutes. Yeah, yeah. They could just get Brooke Hogan for the, for the fucking, you know, hell of it. Why not? Let's just get uh, all of them at the same time. We'll have like a panel. <laughs> anyway, when Tim Storm's sitting in the middle. I can tell that Taryn Terrell hasn't watched the product because she was like uh, Camille and Joe Galley had a little thing and then Taryn Terrell was like, what was that about? Do you fancy Camille or something? Oh yeah, that was awkward. Yeah, and he was like, no, we kind of had this like nine episode run of a storyline. You know, that was <laughs> pretty much our entire output. <laughs> uh, so anyway, we've got Camille versus Thunder Rosa. So this is the only match going into the show I was interested for. Uh, mainly because of Thunder Rosa, and I wanted to talk to you about her. I think she is definitely the only one right now, but maybe the only female mega indie star ever. I what agree. Do you, what do you think? I completely agree. Because uh, Thunder Rosa has just got it, and people tune in to watch her. I would genuinely say, and I'll stake a bet on this, that more people paid for this pay-per-view for Thunder Rosa than Nick Aldis. Yeah, uh, I mean... I definitely would. If 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 she's going to turn up on our AAA show, or if she turns up some random show in Canada, I would probably check it out. Uh, I think Same. she's that much of a star now. Same. I would check out GCW if she turned up on it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and the match didn't disappoint. It was great. Carmel is one of the faces of NWA, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, they did great stuff. I was she, uh, Camille specifically really impressed me here, and I thought Thunder Rosa was very good because I was expecting her to phone it in a little bit, and she's taught me that she does not do that. She well, she goes hard wherever she goes. This was recorded four days after her and Britt Baker had that brutal lights out match. Yeah, so she's got to be sore. But this again, Billy Corgan and priorities. The NWA Women's Champion is Serena Deeb who they said on commentary wouldn't be able to be there because she was suffering from injuries. Well, she was suffering from... The, the NWA Women's Champion was suffering from injuries that she had from another promotion. Yeah. That's not good. Was that legit, though, or was that just some kayfabe bullshit to cover up that she wasn't showing up? I mean, it might be kayfabe bullshit, but either way, she's your NWA Women's Champion and she's not at your comeback event. Sure, yeah, that does suck. It's disappointing that they're not going to put... Well, maybe this is what's going to be with happening with the future, I suppose, that the Thunder Rosa didn't get the number one contendership to rematch with so, um, Deeb. But maybe Rosa the, is going to sign with AEW. Word on the street is they had Camille win because they've heard that AEW think of Thunder Rosa as one of their main superstars. And because she's working so heavily with AEW, they don't want to promote her too much on their own show. Uh, I can also inform you that, that Thunder Rosa sense. asked for her um, release in November 2020 to become a full-time AEW star, and Billy Corgan denied it. So she's stuck with NWA for the foreseeing. And Billy Corgan has it in its power if he wants, I'm pretty sure, to cut off the relationship with AEW. So Thunder Rosa's kind of in a precarious position right now because she's no offense to Billy, but being held back by a smaller promotion when she should be on the biggest stage. Yeah. And I didn't really understand why the commentators wouldn't shut up about AEW's main event. They should be focusing on the match that they've 
charge $20 for NWA fans to be watching. Yeah, well, it's a disconnect because it's not even the same type of product. AEW is a very modern, high-flying, and that match was hardcore. Surely that's very against this 80s look they're trying to go for. Joe Galley couldn't shut up about it. He said it was one of the greatest things he's seen. To be fair, it's one of the best women's matches of all time. I, yeah, I know. So. But like, I, you know, <laughs> no, I, like, I know what you're saying. I get what you're saying. Sell your own product, bro. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, I thought this was a much better match than it had any right to be. And I really loved those two spears right at the end for Thunder Rosa to um, take the pin. Camille looked like a bit of a beast. Camille is a beast. I've seen a few bits of her before. And uh, yeah, she totally impressed in this match as well. Yeah. Moving on to the match that I was looking the most forward to tonight. This was the one that sold the pay-per-view for me. Trevor Murdoch versus the masterpiece Chris Adonis. For the NWA National Championship. Yeah, this is really confusing. You've got a World Heavyweight Championship, a National Championship, and a Television Championship. But you also have a 40-minute show per week. Yeah, it's way too many belts for such a little company, isn't it? But I guess I guess is why the TV championship only goes six minutes five. Because of all the history of the belts, because they've been around for so long. Yeah. This was exactly why I tuned into NWA. This was a proper old school NWA style match. Like the big bruiser versus the Greek god. The, you know. Right, well, you know what? This match made sense because up until now, or the women's match as well, I suppose, but there was a really bad heel versus face divide, uh, which again, uh-huh. this is meant to be an 80s product. Surely it should be totally obvious who's the hero and who's the yeah. villain. Uh, but in this match, there was a definite face and heel. Yeah. And I really enjoyed uh, specifically Adonis uh, using some old school heel techniques like the eye poke and the back scratch and i did say i did say to you i think it was like as far back now as 2011 2012 that chris masters was doing some of his best work when he was just sort of hanging around on superstars uh but this really shows how far he's come i think he really has got gotten to become a a great modern day sort of paul aldenoff and i think if he sticks around he's a great addition to the nwa roster he did some good stuff in Impact, didn't he? Like yeah, yeah. 2017 or whatever. Yeah, um, I, it's quite clear that Billy picks up people based upon his relationships from his time in Impact. Well, yeah, he hasn't been in the industry very long, so he's only got so many contacts. But with uh, Adonis, um, it just seems like he can't get the fans behind him because he's obviously like the total package. He's a good wrestler. He's got an amazing look, but he's just, apart from you, he just hasn't seemed to have built a huge fan base i think this is one of those accidents of wrestling one of those sad cases where somebody goes into a company too young in their life um shows themselves up for all of their faults gets fired and then never gets a comeback because chris masters in like 2005 was not great he he was um very green he didn't understand ring psychology. It felt like sh- he had a ma- high-profile match with Shawn Michaels, and it felt like Shawn Michaels was dragging him through it. And I think those sorts of things stick with people, and that's all they know of Chris Masters now. You know, and when they see Chris Masters on a billing, they think, "Oh, it's it's the guy that I watched in 2005." They haven't had the chance to see his progression because he hasn't been on a big enough stage to show it. 
Do you so think now he's just kind of stuck. Do you think his name is a problem as well? Like a lot of people remember the old name and now they don't really recognise him. Yeah, I really do think they need to plug the masterpiece thing. Mm. They need to keep calling him the masterpiece rather than whatever his name is because he can't use his WWE name. Well, they could just insert that as a um, nickname, couldn't they? Chris the Masterpiece Adonis. I'm not sure whether it was Tim Storm or Joe Galley, but they did a great job of explaining without explaining that the only person to break Chris Masters' master's lock was the one that now uses it, who's the WWE champion. I thought that was some good interpromotion to build up chris adonis so after the match adonis goes to shake his hand but then attacks him from behind and puts him in the master lock not sure whether we'd be getting on or not based upon the main event of power later but i'd really like to see a continuation of this feud i'm into it yeah it was a great match it went shorter than i expected so they could definitely do some more with it oh actually before that match we completely skipped over but i won't go on about it uh, May Valentine interviews <laughs> Austin Idol, which was just a mess. But after this match, <laughs> Austin uh, Idol is like Austin uh, Idol's Ric Flair's half brother, who um, seems to have more marbles, but is also slightly more naturally crazier. Yeah, he's all over the place because I wanted to write that this was a great promo hyping the main event, but at the same time, it was also a crazy rambling mess but somehow was just on the line of not being unwatchable. He's just got charisma. He's got yeah. charisma, but he's not got anything to say. So he just... Yeah, you know, it was it, weird. It was weird. I I think maybe if it was like a minute shorter, I would have said it was good. I'm really not sure about the pairing of Austin Idol and Tyrus. Oh, they, yeah, that's going to be weird. They just, needed, they just needed to pair Tyrus with someone that could talk, I think. How about just don't pair him with anyone? Just, like, fire him, dude. well that too I suppose Uh, there's a bell salute and a moment of silence for their fallen member uh, Josephus and then we rest in peace and then we get on to Aaron Stevens versus Nick Aldis for the NWA World Heavyweight Championship I'm right in saying Aaron Stevens going into this show was a heel right yes and he's face turned because people are um, are are feeling sorry for him that he's lost his brother in arms. Yeah, in classic CD wrestling style. <laughs> you play, you know, somebody dies in the wrestling business for real and you think, yeah, face turn, you know? Well, is it CD or is it that they wanted him to be the one to give the tribute? No, you no. You can't I'm, really have a heel give a tribute. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. It, like, this made sense. It also made sense that Aaron Stevens couldn't be a heel anymore. So it's a natural progression, and as we saw on Power, they're going to slowly break that tag up. And I have to tell you, the past episode of Power, uh, this pay-per-view, I hated the idea of Damian Sandow being in a main event competition with Nick Aldis, and that was my main event. I got that it was a tribute to Josephus, but I just did not see that as a money match whatsoever. And this guy has won me over as the plucky underdog in two showings. I think I went from thinking that he was boring and out of shape at the start of this match to really, really enjoying him. I I feel like he's got a a sort of natural baby face fire to him where you just get behind him regardless of your personal opinion on the guy. 
and I yeah. think that no no one showcased that better tonight in this pay per view than he did. A lot like we were saying with Chris Adonis, I think a lot of people have just given up with Aaron Stevens and aren't interested in watching him. But I really liked what he did as Aaron Rex in TNA, and I've really liked a few I never other saw bits. Any of that stuff. And I really like a few other bits that he's done on the Indies. He's not been given a spotlight enough to really show how great he is because he's a fantastic promo. Competent in the ring, maybe not the best ever, but his his natural charisma and character work is fantastic. And I mean, this is a classic case of people trying to prescribe gimmicks to people to get them over for as long as possible. And it turns out that the answer to that was actually just to let them be themselves. Yeah. Because when he turned up on power and he was doing this thespian gimmick, I thought it was the shit. And I, he he started to annoy me every every week that he turned up. Now he's just a straightforward babyface in some trunks. I think he's got more going for him than when he had a gimmick. Yeah, I totally agree with you. They they say that the best gimmicks are the real person turned up to 100. Yeah. So. Uh, obviously, I always expect a good match from Aldis. Like, he's a real safe hand at this point. And they delivered... Um, out of everything, this was a weird match. I thought, I get that the NWA does the main event as the main event championship as a championship but in terms of just in ring i thought this was the weirdest match to go the longest yeah um just 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 as from a matchup perspective because all this as you said previous is your champion for over 800 days and aaron stevens up until a, a couple of months ago i i don't even remember him wearing the tag belts but i always thought of him as a comedy jobber you know and yeah. then you have Nick Aldis wrestle 21 minutes with him and win by a small package. I, I, Yeah, I guess in NWA, it's just the main event's always just got to go on the longest. That's yeah. just the way they're going to do things. And the match does end with a cradle pin out of nowhere, which like seems like a really cheap finish. To an extent, I also don't like it. I like it because it harkens back to the days of NWA, where they always sort of propelled this idea that anything can happen and sometimes the champion would win by a small package i also think it adds to aldous's character a little bit as the sort of conniver but um again as i said before you've got a long way to go with aaron stevens to make me feel like he's main event status and after wrestling for 20 minutes your nwa champion should not be winning via a lucky escape do you remember when darby allen did this to cody and it was like a big championship match, and then he kind of just got the win out of nowhere after 20 yeah. minutes, and you really disliked it. Yeah. And I said, oh, I don't know, I quite like it. wasn't the main event of the show, so I quite liked it because it sold to us fans that actually these matches can just end out of nowhere, and random things can just happen. Luck can happen. I suppose on a massive pay-per-view in your main event spot, you want something a bit more uh, exciting? And I guess um, with the... Darby finish. Darby's the underdog. Yeah. Nick Aldis is supposed to be your Ric Flair. So he's meant to like dominate and yeah. really win. And Smash if you that if finishing you, move and if you're gonna give Aldis, if you're gonna give Stevens twenty minutes, then at least let Aldis win in a dominating fashion. A lot of what I felt in this pay per view and, and this the episode of Power is that Billy Corgan has made a classic move, thinking continually about his own promotion. But forgetting that we haven't seen them in a year. Yeah. Aldis should have had to come in. He should have been able to come in again to this show 
and reintroducing himself as a dominant champion. Because it was a tribute show, Aldis kind of relaxed a little bit his heel mannerisms. He came across yeah. as a face at times. Yeah, he did. You know? I mean, the very final image of the pay-per-view is him standing side by side with Aaron Stevens, waving a flag for Josephus. Yeah. Which is nice, I guess, for the family. But like you said, as a rebrand, not even a rebranding, but just a restart of your promotion, it confuses the audience as to what Nick Aldis is. Well, mixed feelings about that one, to be honest, because I understand why they did it and why they needed to do it. But you're building your entire promotion about around being old school face versus heel. And you've blatantly in front of the audience on your pay-per-view shown all of the faces standing next to all of the hills. So maybe with the family's permission, they could have done something really cool here with Nick Aldis almost spitting in Josephus's grave. I mean, they could have done something, um, or, or even just, you know, like you don't even have to make it into an angle. You could have just had the faces come out. Just have the heels walk away. Just leave the ring. Yeah. Yeah. yeah something like that. You know, yeah. Because, I mean, Josephus was a professional wrestler. He would understand. He, he, would, he would like that, I assume. You know, he, yeah. he'd like being used as, as a, a gimmick because that was his entire life. He, like, he not understands the difference between a, a heel wrestler and a, a, a person, you know? But this is the thing that a lot of wrestlers keep saying is that so many people are scared to use stuff like this to really to really get the the villainous evil shit over like mgf isn't scared of sticking a middle finger up to a little kid because he wants to be a dickhead he wants people to hate him and we do hate him whereas a lot of other wrestlers when it comes to like tribute shows and stuff they want to be the night they want to be just a normal decent human being but they're too scared to play up the heel yeah it's a fine line it like on either side of the extreme of the fine line is one side you've got jim Cornette. And on the other side, you've got a wrestler winking and nod, n- nudging an, an audience member and saying, you know, it's all, it's all fake, right? You know, both sides have their downsides. It's, can we not just get a happy medium? I really think Nick Aldis could have done something to be... Even like, um, like they had the flag out there for Josephus. Nick Aldis could have like pulled the flag out of his hand and like thrown it to the floor like even just something simple like that but again it doesn't he has no respect it doesn't even have to be around josephus he could have just stood there paid his respects to josephus and then kicked aaron stevens in the nuts oh like the like, very final second of the yeah game of your kicked yeah in the nuts. why not i don't know that would have been that would have been school playground humor but sure fair enough two days later it's power the power's back. They switched the lights back on. Into the fire. I'm a big fan of one-hour wrestling shows. Same. And this one, I actually quite liked, but I didn't pay a ton of attention to it. I kind of had it on in the background. I think it's one of the main reasons that NWO Power uh, has people with goodwill um, that want it to prosper, just because it's a, fr- a quick, fresh cut, 45 minutes and you think of Raw, which is two and a half hours without adverts, you know, and like this is what we grew up with as wrestling. Like if you think about when we were kids, no wrestling show went over two hours with adverts. No, um, no. So th- this is refreshing. This is nostalgic in itself now. I've got this funny feeling with NWA. When I finished the show, I didn't mind it as much as when I was watching it. 
And I, the only reason I can explain that is, again, the sound issues. The sound issues give me a headache. They put me, they make me irritable. Um, because when I look back at the show after I finished watching it, I didn't mind it. Yeah. It's just, it's just those sound issues that need to be sorted out. But the actual content isn't offending you. No. Yeah, I, I mean, interesting episodes. Um, Camille continued a dominant win against the Alex Gracia, who apparently Velvet Sky took with her. It sounds like Velvet Sky might be doing a training. It, no, Thunder I, Rosa. Thunder Rosa brought. Her oh, in. Thunder Rosa brought her in. This was a good little squash. Uh, Gracia's nose bleeding was a cool piece of imagery. Did what it needed to do, really. I'm assuming that's what the story's going to be, is Thunder Rosa has like a load of goons that Camille's going to destroy all of them, and eventually yep. they'll rematch. We've already talked about how I didn't want uh, Tyrus anywhere near Pope and the championship belt, but that's happening. Yep. Fred Rossier versus Matt Cray and Marche Rocket. Rocket? Rocket. Uh, number one contendership for one of the titles. I wasn't paying attention. Um, I could not remember what it's for the Fred... Pope's. It's for the Pope's title. For so the, the Pope's Pope title. Defend against that guy first, and then I guess Tyrus down the line. I could not remember wh- uh, what the guy from the primetime player's name was called. And then uh, the Pope on commentary just said, yeah, Darren Young. And they're all like, <laughs> his name's Fred Rossi. <laughs> but <laughs> Pope couldn't give a shit. I know um, him as uh, Fred Fred Yehi. That's the name where? he had when he went to Ring of Honor in New Japan for a bit. Okay. I don't really know much about his work. I don't know whether he's a good worker or not. He's all right. I quite like him. Okay. He's all right. It was a perfectly acceptable three-way. I mean, Dar- Darren Young, Fred Rossier is the winner, so we assume that that's happening on TV next week. Six minutes, five seconds. <laughs> that's nowhere near long enough. Yeah, it's match. a bad gimmick. I I get that that they're trying to. It's uh, going to be time limit back. draws all the time, surely. Well, if you're gonna do a TV time limit draw, at least have a ten minute. At least then, ten minutes. And then a twenty minute time limit for pay per view for this championship. Or AEW does twenty minutes, and it never feels like a drag. But th- I mean, I'm old school. I'm a firm believer that if you have a TV championship or a TNT championship, it shouldn't be depend- defended on a fucking pay-per-view because that defeats the point of it. Yeah, I agree with you. I've always thought that. It's like the Ring of Honor have a TV championship as well, and it's like never defended on TV. No, what well, I mean, what? So what? Do you remember when? T- <laughs> do you remember when TNA had a TV championship and Devon was the TV champion for like three years because they forgot that they had the championship? Yeah, they forgot he had it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and wasn't that the one that was rebranded into the Legends Championship? Yeah, 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 and yeah, given to Booker one. T just to keep him uh, signed on. Yeah, and then they forgot about it again. Yeah, and then it became the global championship. I remember when it became the global championship. Every day in the playground, you'd come up to me and be like, what the fuck is the difference between a world and a global championship? Yeah. <laughs> Don't know, mate. I can't One's, One's for red. jobbers. <laughs> um, Mike Paro is a cool pickup for Billy Corgan. Well, who you did, know this what, guy? Yeah, but what did his name used to be? Because I couldn't work it out. And neither could I. I just recognised him. Uh, he had spent some time in Ring of Honor and some time in MLW. He's a really good worker. I know him. I know him under a different name. I'm sure I do. Um, anyway, doesn't matter. He. This is the big man that 
Billy Corgan should have brought in instead of Tyrus. This guy can work. Yeah. Plus, he's good. He's good PR, honestly, for for Billy after like some of the shit that's been happened to him with Dave Lagana, uh, Jim Cornette, having a very proud out gay man on your product along with Darren Young is is can only be a good thing when yeah. you've your your previous producer is a, a kind apparently a scumbag you know but yeah no i think this was a good pickup for billy i didn't um, even know he was gay but is a, i i can see him potentially having a monster feud with oldest down the line yeah i mean this guy is a good hand cuz he's been on the indies for a long time yeah and uh, been doing great stuff yeah i you're right this guy should have Tyrus's spot. Yeah. The first time I've ever been disappointed by Thunder Rosa, this. She had a very, very weak promo with Melina, and I didn't un- I didn't understand any of this. This Melina is, this was is like what I messaged you. To cry. This is when I messaged you that oh, Billy's gone, gone all Jeremy, Jeremy Carl on us, yeah. Yeah, I, d- I didn't hate it, but I, I didn't like it. I don't know where... It was a bit strange. What was it about? I didn't even understand. What, why did they have... Like, think, why was Melina crying? So I think they feuded, and then now she wants to be best friends again. Okay, but it... I mean, even if I had watched the last couple of episodes of Power, it's been a long time. Like, I, I shouldn't have to know this. Yeah. Yeah. It was just a weird little promo. Just, I, like, it didn't sell anything to me. They're proud Latina women. That's what it was. Right. Thanks, just, Billy. <laughs> yeah, it was strange. It was strange. So the, the two women, I don't even know how to explain it. Like, they were... Thunder Rosa didn't want to be friends again. She was like, oh, thanks for offering to be my manager or whatever. But, like, I can go it alone because, you know, I just had the best ever women's match in AEW ever. It was, it was a weird one. But I also was kind of into it. And then when I stepped away... After the show, I realized that this is the same bullshit storylines that WWE does all the time with their women. That it's just friends falling out with each other all the time. Yeah. So actually, it's not a good thing. Yeah. Billy Billy should be careful of falling into a certain trap with his female division. Especially if he's hiring people like uh, the backstage announcer. Like, he doesn't want to come across as something that he actually genuinely isn't, if you know what I mean. Yeah. I really liked the main event. Yeah, great match. Aaron like- Stevens and uh, Kratos with the Pope versus Nick Aldis, Tom Latimer, and Chris Adonis. This slow turn they're doing with Aaron Stevens uh, has been really good across the two shows. Like, they've nailed he, it. See, he actually stood out to me from the rest of the other five guys, most of whom that I really like. He was the guy that really put this thing together and uh, became the highlight of, of the, the match. High compliment uh just to explain it uh at towards the end of the match um uh, kratos was gonna use a uh, steel chair and i guess because they were heels um aaron stevens wouldn't have had a problem with this before but it instead rips it out of his hands and throws it out of the ring it's like that's not how was he say like that's not what we're about or something yeah whatever and uh kratos gets pissed off with him and then they lose the match because of that distraction i really like the fact that they've just gotten to this and nipped it in the bud immediately like if most other products wwe or AEW, especially AEW recently oh yeah it would have taken six months to get to this yeah i love the fact that they just ripped the band-aid off and did it two days later i'm wondering is it just that AEW needed a face like they just needed someone and aaron stevens can do either or yeah thinking about it they you are right they've got a very small 
face male roster. I guess they're going to lose the tag, but they don't seem... Does NWA have any actual proper tag teams? Tom Latimer was in a tag team with... I can't remember his name. Someone else before the pandemic, and they were great. And they were going towards being... Uh, tag champs but I don't think they got it they also had two really terrible massive dudes who were brothers but they they all seem to have disappeared so I assume that's just another impact so had, from the pandemic they had, they had one and a half proper tag teams yeah that's not really enough for a division <laughs> is it I think that this is what I'm saying earlier though that like they're just it feels like they're just trying to use all of the belts that were associated with NWA. They've got three singles male belts. They've got a women's belt, tag belts. That's f- that's five belt divisions. Surprised they don't have a six-man tag. For a 45-minute television show. Oh, well. Following on from these two shows, are you going to continue to stick with NWA? Um, I'm enjoying the product. I'm not sure how much more I can sit through without putting it on a very quiet volume. I'm interested by... There's actually they've done quite a lot of good goodwill. They've generated quite a lot of goodwill with me for the past week. They've got me into Trevor Murdoch again, Chris Adonis. Uh, I like the Pope. I like Aldis. I'm interested to see whether Aaron Stevens can keep his underdog persona up. Uh, I've seen a couple of guys that I'm into just look the look of like Kratos. There's some shit like Tyrus. But on the whole, I think they've been pretty successful at sort of just maybe not changing the world or even the independent wrestling world, but just getting themselves back on their feet and dusting themselves off. I think they've done a great job. I mentioned right at the beginning that I'm really not a massive fan of the look and the style of what they're going for, this this TV set wrestling. But the storylines that they've done over these two shows have been really interesting and I'm going to keep with it. I fear for me it's going to be a bit like when Ring of Honor does something great. I'll stick with it till the next pay per view and then probably get bored. Yeah, um, but we'll see. Yeah, I, I, the only reason I've ever watched NWA in the first place, to be honest, is I'm a fan of Billy Corgan. That's the only reason that I've stuck around all this time, or even gave it a look to begin with. So I'll probably just carry on watching it. But I think NWA should be very scared because. The other great 45-minute show, MLW, uh, their owner, Court Bauer, is currently teasing that MLW is about to get a lot bigger. I think they've signed some sort of lucrative television deal. And that's their direct... I would say that that's NWA's direct competition. So, Do you know who with? No, not yet. Uh, he's just teasing it and teasing it and teasing it. But Is Ring of Honor not their direct competition? I would actually put Ring of Honor at the bottom of the totem pole at this point. No way. Have they you seen to... Have you seen the card they got for their anniversary show? It's stacked. No, but like that's the problem. I'm not I'm not shitting on Ring of Honor. I just you... don't feel like anybody cares anymore. But you've never cared you specifically have never cared about Ring of Honor. <laughs> I was gonna check it out, honestly, when E C three turned up and then I heard he got coronavirus, so I said fuck it. No, this uh, this anniversary show, EC3 versus Jay Briscoe, it's going to be a banger, mate. All right. That's going to be I, a great a... match. Also, last time I tried to watch it was like a year ago, and then th- there was this wanker that was like dressed as a magician doing magic tricks, and I just gave oh, up again. Dalton Castle? Yeah. Yeah. yeah he's, like, he's that was... Right. That was it. Like I was, I was that meme of um, Homer's dad walking in and out with the hat. 
Like, I couldn't be bothered with it. <laughs> yeah, Jay Briscoe versus EC3. That's going to be amazing. Jonathan Gresham versus Dake Draper in the, like, you know, the Pure Rules Championship. And uh, Rush versus Jay Lethal in the main event. That's going to be a that's gonna be a great match. Great show. I've got time for Jay Lethal, but yeah, we'll see. Next week, we're doing Lex Luger. Yep. Until then, keep it botched up. Brother! Like, share, and subscribe to keep it botched up, brother!